Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Last week, we talked about uh, our plan to move forward as we regroup as a church. And one thing that regrouping is not, it's not, um, it's not a small group model. Well, this is just small groups, right? It's not, you're not going to be able to put regrouping into a box or give it a label because it doesn't exist yet. We're actually leading the way through it. And so uh, regroups are not house church. This is not um, you doing church at your house and it's not online church either. Regroups are something totally different. And so uh, totally different, totally new, so new that um, we've talked to um, 11 churches this week about what regroups are and how we're moving forward. Not to say that all those churches are going to adopt, but man, we're having some great conversations with pastors and church leaders from around the country uh, wanting to know more about this. So regroups are not quitting or giving up on the church. Regroups are not neglecting to meet together. Uh, Regroups are essentially living out what it means to be the church. And so our mission at Redefined Church is never going to change. We're here to lead people to live in real relationship with God and each other. That's based out of Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Now the model and how we're moving forward is regrouping. That could change based upon the need of the person. Who are we called to reach? And so regardless of where you're watching from, especially if you're going to lead a regroup for us, the needs might be very different. So what regroups look like um, in Virginia might be different than what they look like in Missouri, might be different than here in Michigan or there uh, in Oklahoma, or I think we have one more in Colorado. And so as you're there, just know that um, how we get there could change. And if you missed last week, last week was more of like a family conversation than it was a message. And so if you missed it, you can go back and check that out on either Facebook or YouTube as we have those playlists. We're also on Vimeo. And then uh, the, the probably the fastest way for you to catch up is just to go scroll through and cruise social media as we've been sharing uh, last, this past Monday, we shared kind of what regroups are. And then uh, on Friday, we shared um, what our model is going to be. And so you can catch that there. Um, just know that we're being very intentional with how we're regrouping and what we feel and how we feel God's calling us to move forward. What you're going to find in, in our regroups is Matthew 22, 37 through 39, loving God and loving others as we love ourselves. You're going to find our values as a church and you're going to find our discipleship strategy and how they tie into each week. And so week one, we've got that real big family, uh, not family, sorry, Week one, we have that real big service where we all come together, all of our regroups from around everywhere. And um, we actually come together and worship and pray and reflect and have a time of communion and built-in community. And it's just a meaningful service where we are, our goal is to bring others along, but we're rallying around our value of unity. And we're there to learn more about God. Week two, we get to live in our value of hospitality as we get to just welcome people uh, as they are, right where they are. And so the goal of our week two is to love each other. We're doing this around a family-style meal. That could be at a park, um, at a restaurant, at your house. Uh, could be at the Yacht Club, for all I know. That's that's totally up to you as far as where you are to meet that. But uh, the goal in all of that is to um, share that value of hospitality, love each other, and to show people who we are by living as an example. The great thing about week two is we're going to send you um, crafts or projects for your kids to do post-dinner. So 
In all of these weeks, we're going to help you, uh, one, if you have kids, lead your kids well, but also lead well in your house. And so week three, we display the value of honesty, man. We love being honest. We believe that everybody is real. We've all kind of missed the mark in some area or another. And we believe that God works best through us as we share um, those experiences with others. And so our goal in week threes, as we gather for a conversation is to love God. And we're again, just living as an example, letting our experience be the springboard for somebody else to move forward in their faith. And so week threes, we're going to send you age specific age-specific interactive um, links for your kids to engage with on a tablet or a PC or whatever that uh, whatever device that they're that they're on. Those are really good. Micah Jones has done a great job building those. And so lastly, week four, we're going to live in the value of honor as we get together and do and serve, serve uh, doing local outreach. And so the goal in that is to love our neighbor and we're going to lead the way. This is what it means to be the church as we serve others and as we honor others. We'll jump more into that um, a little bit later in the message. So week four is we want your kids to be part of the outreach with you because we believe the best way they're going to learn how to love their neighbor is to see you leading what it means to do that. And so so that's a recap of last week in very, very short term. Uh, Today, we're talking about the reasons for regrouping, reasons for regrouping. And so... Uh, if you got your Bible and your notebook, uh, several scriptures we're going to jump into here uh, pretty quickly, starting in the book of Acts chapter 20, if you want to get that ready. But here's what it means. Why are we talking about the reasons for regrouping? And um, the reality is, is we must bring the church where we live. We must bring the church where we live, which means we have to take the church into our community. Okay, so what's that mean? That means we just became Amazon. That's what that means. And so the church, you, us need to position ourselves to be the social service delivery system to our community. The point being, as we deliver to the doorsteps of people within our community, it provides an avenue for community transformation for us to gain a spiritual presence in our community. Again, it all starts in our homes. It all starts by regrouping. And you would say, well, that's really what we've been doing the last three months. Dusty's regrouping and trying to get a foothold into what lies ahead with all the uncertainty ahead. Like I'd, we're just regrouping. I've got spring cleaning done and I've done, you know, summer cleaning and we've done, you know, X, Y, and Z and all that, you know, and with all of, with all of what's happened last week or last, the last three months, four months now, I think all of our routines have been broken. The way we shop is different. The way we work out is different. Um, man, the way we drive you know, the gas that I use in my car is now way different than it was before. And so we're all gr- regrouping in some type of area of uncertainty. And we, as a church, must move forward. And we can't continue to sit back on our heels and hope to get back to something that that we're not sure is going to be. And so then how, do we, how we move forward then um, has to be strategic. It has to be thought out. And it has to be very intentional. And so then it can't be us sitting back waiting for something or hoping that something's going to end soon. How do we move forward with a mask on our face and social distance being just part of the everyday norm, right? And so um, in that, I believe that people are counting on us. People are counting on us, the church. And it has nothing to do with so much the model as as it is. Man, there's a church. And I know, man, I've talked to so many pastors this week specifically just saying, and I feel like we're waiting. I feel like we're waiting for something. And I just don't believe that we, the church, can do that. I don't believe we can sit back and wait any longer. People 
need us and they need us to be the church again. That means to be active. I believe this is why God called me and Heather here. This is why God put the Otis family in Gross Point, Michigan, in the Detroit Metro, is for this season, this reason, right here. And so that said, you would say, well, Dusty, why, why should why should the church do this? Why shouldn't the church just be the church it always has? Weather the storm and just be a church where I can come in and sit solo through a service, consume, get what I need, and get out the door. Why should I lead? Why should I be part of a regroup? And my answer is this, and it's because the church has been uniquely called, uniquely called, the church meaning meaning us, being us. The church has been uniquely called to impact our society for good by leading with positive values and beliefs and providing a higher quality of life in our area. That's who we're called to be. It's hard to be that sitting um, sitting in one of the most beautiful buildings in our community waiting for a 10 o'clock service to start. It's hard to be that. And so Acts 20.35, um, it's, it's unique. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the first part of regrouping. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And what would you say? Giving means what? It means time. That's your most valuable resource, right? In this, in Acts 20, 35, you see a constant, I've been a constant example. What's that mean? To lead the way. We must get out and lead, right? Jesus was out and with people. He didn't ever say and sit back and say, hey, at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be over here. If you guys want to chat, talk, holler, whatever term you use, you can, you can find me over here. Now he was out with people. So we must get out and we must lead the way. When it talks about those in need here, the, the number one thing that people need is Jesus. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what brings light and life and reality. That's what clears people's thinking. That's what helps people move forward in their faith or in their relationship with God in their life is the gospel of Jesus. That's what changes everything. And so the people right now that we have who are in need are in need of Jesus first before they are of anything else. And so when we first started, there was a bunch of people saying, I don't need you to change me. They were offended by who we were, where we were, what we were, what we were called. And, and you know, you're going to have that regardless of where you're at. Didn't upset me at all. The reality in my response to every one of those people was, I'm not here to change you. That's not my job. That's not my job. My only job is to show you who Jesus is with my life. And if I do that, that's enough. And at some point, the scale is going to tip. Okay. And so then, and then obviously when it's saying it's better to give than to receive here right now with regrouping, we're talking about time. Time is your most valuable resource. So we're asking uh, people to lead. I've had people sign up to lead all week. It's been great. If you signed up to lead, thank you. Thank you. You're helping vision become reality. You're making vision reality. I had one guy sign up who's a former uh, former athlete. I coached him through high school and uh, he called and said, yeah, coach, I want to do this. And so really, really super stoked to have uh, to have him leading with us. And so if you go to James chapter two, verse 14 through 17, you're going to see it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith, but you can't see it? Can that faith save him? Well, who knows if a tree falls in the forest, and nobody hears it, did it really fall, right? Something like that. So he goes on to give us an analogy in verse 15. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking and lacking, and one says to them, 
Go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things they need for the body. What good is that? Essentially, if somebody if somebody comes and says, hey man, I'm starving, I'm freezing, and I need a place to live, and, and I say, cool man, we'll just go over there and get her done then. I've done no good. I've done no good. Verse 17 says, also, also by faith itself, if it does not have action, it is dead. It is dead. And in that, when you see uh, in James 2.14 where it says, if someone says he has faith but you can't see it, if you can't see it, it's likely head knowledge. It's likely stuck up in the old dome um, and, and it's yet to come out into fruition. You can't see it. Likely head knowledge. No action means no good at all. If somebody comes to you and says, I need these things, but you don't follow up with providing or helping, no action is no good. And the reality of what James 2, 14 through 17 says is faith without follow through is dead. Faith without follow through, faith without action is dead. How do we become the church? We have to get out. We have to get out of the once a week, 10 o'clock mindset, one hour. You know, there's 168 hours in a week. The church happens 168 hours in a week. It's a spiritual, you're a spiritual being, right? And so life is spiritual. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. So we must begin then to follow through. Faith without follow through is dead. So then we, the church, must follow through. That means the country club consuming type or style of church is over. And it's over for good. People need you to contribute to their life. Jesus needs you to jump into somebody's life and say, hey, I see this. I see this. And man, because I know you, I know that's not like you. What's up? How are you? And how can I help you? Not the person say, sucker, man, they're headed down the wrong path. They're going to be divorced in two weeks or they're going to be, you know, addicted or who knows what, right? It's taking the action step to get up and get in our feet and say, hey, man, I see this. I've noticed this about you last couple of weeks. And I'm sorry I haven't said something in the past but I care about you. And the reason you care about them is because Jesus cares about them. And you care about them because you love them, because you're close to them, because you have a relationship with them. And because you have a relationship, you have influence where you can step into where I can't or somebody who doesn't have a relationship and say, hey man, I see this. And man, I'm, I'm worried about you. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And not a concern like I'm judging you. I'm better than you because that never comes off right. Right? It is more about, man, I believe, I believe that um, I'm connected, that I have the relationship I have with God to help you have a relationship with God. And here's how I want you to, uh, to, to see it. See it. Sorry, my, uh, my computer just messed up. And so then, we must begin to follow through. This is what it means to be the church. Contribute to people's lives. Our regroup gatherings and outreaches are all scalable, right? And so then from two people to... I don't know, 15 people is probably a pretty big regroup. 15 people is probably the cap. We don't have that cap, but I would say, man, if you get more than that, you probably need to split and have another group so you can have intentional conversation. Excuse me, so things don't get too clouded up, right? All churches, no matter their size, can impact their community if they're active, right? So then we must understand that, uh, <laughs> we must understand social issues cannot be solved with social help period. Because the root is often spiritual. It's often a spiritual issue that we're trying to solve. And so what we need to do is establish and nurture relationships in our community that serve as the bridge to the local church, right? That's what it means. At the end of the day, 
establishing and nurturing relationships in the community serve as a bridge back to the local church. This is why our week four regroups will be so impactful. It's because we are nurturing and establishing relationships in our community through relationships we already have, right? And that's going to build the bridge back to the local church so people can actually see who we are, right? If we're consistent, that's why those week fours have to be consistent. What you find in Galatians 6.10, this is Galatians 6.10, if you're with me, if I'm going too fast, I'm, I'm sorry. Man, I really value our time together. I want you to get something out of this. And so I hope you're leaned up, lean forward, engaging. If you're in the easy chair right now, I'd ask you to hop forward and start taking notes because it's getting good. It's getting steamy in here, right? Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Hmm. The family of believers. So then, so what's that mean? Does that mean my clique? Does that mean my, my crew, my little group of people? Does that mean my family? And here's the reality. My opinion is the human race is part of the family. Period. Some of us get it. Some of us don't. Some of us know it and believe it. Some of us are clueless. Didn't God give life to everyone? Yeah, I know there are people who do not believe right now, but God still gave them purpose. God still gave them life. He gave life to everybody. So then, whether they like it or not, they're supposed to be part of the family, and we should treat them like that. So then it's on us to help those who don't know to figure out, say, hey, man, there's this, there's this family that I want you to be part of. Uh, it starts at Redefined Church. We meet the first week of every month. I would love for you to be with me. Uh, one, because you're my friend, but uh, because I believe great things are happening or whatever you say, right? And so how do we do that, Dusty? And I'm just going to mention this because I say it, I think I say it every week. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. I say 37 through 39 all the time. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbors yourself. I'm going to remind you of verse 40 today. Verse 40 says this. It says, all the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets stem from these two laws and are fulfilled. If you obey them, last sentence, keep only these and you will find that you are obeying all the others. What? Keep these? Just these two? Yeah. Yes, Dusty. Yes, Mike. Yes, uh, Jimmy, Jack, Paul, John, George. Yes, anybody who's watching. If you will love God with everything you have and love your neighbors yourself, everything else will take care of itself. All the chatter. On Facebook, takes care of itself. Takes care of itself. And so then, what's this mean? It means then that we should do for one what we wish we could do for all. We should do for the one person that we wish we could do for everyone. Because if we did for one person what we wish we could do for everyone, we would change the world. We would change the world. But it would certainly change that one person's life. If we would just do for one what we wish we could see for all, we have to be the change that we wish to see, right? In Matthew 25, 40, it says, Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you do for me. This is Jesus talking. Whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you do for me. It starts with one. It starts with one. It begins with you. And really, it's our road back to having a spiritual presence in our community, in our communities regardless of where you live. It starts by all of us doing for one 
It really starts with those closest to us. That's why a regroup consists of our family and closest friends, because it's not just this isn't my group, but these people have influence who have influence. And if we all just do for one, okay, it'll all take care of itself. And so First Peter 4.10 says this. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Dusty, I do not know my gifts. You're right. Well, maybe not. And we haven't had that talk yet. And here's what I want to know. The greatest gift that you have right now is the gift of Jesus Christ. And that's more than a lot of people have. And so then go with that. Go with that. Because that's the greatest gift on the face of the earth. Right? Now you would say, well, I'm introverted. No, there's, there's a place for you. Somebody's going to need to organize outreaches for your group. Somebody's going to need to organize the dinner at the Village Grill or at City Kitchen or at Jumps. Somebody's going to need to organize that meat, that meal. Somebody's going to need to uh, organize, again, like I said, conversation. Where are we meeting? Where are we going? What are we having? All those things. Somebody's going to need to be the leg person for that. If you're the introvert behind the scenes person, that's you for your group. So find a group. The leader and I are the ones who get to get to figure all of it out. It's going to be great. But in all of that, God's given you a gift. Use your gift. Don't waste your gift. Don't waste your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, don't waste Jesus. Just don't waste Jesus, right? The mission of transforming communities begins with the individual with this, along with this foundational truth. And this is so true. And so right now, some of you are going, gift. I'm so sick of talking about gifts and purpose and da, 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 da. And I just want to tell you, your heart might be a little bit hard, so you need to fix that. Okay. And that's between you and God and your prayer life and your chair time and how you're engaging with him. But here's the deal. The mission of transforming communities begins with the individual, begins with the one person, along with the foundational truth that as a man thinks, so he is. As a man thinks, so he is. To put it another way, a person's behavior is controlled by their thoughts. If a person's thought life is changed, that person is changed. This is a big point. Changed individuals, changed people transform families. And transform families restore communities. I must say it again. Changed individuals transform families. And transform families restore communities. This is why regroups start with your family and closest friends, your next of kin, extended family those people. This is why, this is also why we believe in such a thing as positive thinking. Think it, speak it, believe it, live it, win it in the thought realm. Speak it into existence, speak life into it out of the abundance of your heart, right? It's easy to say this sucks. I can only tell myself this sucks so many times before I believe it. It's terrible. And you got to end up talking yourself out of it. Sometimes that's just what you got to do is talk yourself into it. It's all good. It's all good. Think it, speak it, believe it, live it. This is the foundational scriptures of the Otis household. Philippians 4.8 and Colossians 3.2. We've talked that over and over. Individuals are changed and communities are transformed when people invest in others. And help them look beyond what they currently see. Individuals are changed. Communities are transformed when people invest in others, right? It's better to give and to receive, more blessed to give than to receive, and help them look beyond what they currently see because we, as, as the church, we do this. This is on us. When we do this as the church, it gives people a glimpse of what their life can be, of what their community can be. Community meaning their circle of friends, the place they live, 
where they belong, where they belong, right? And so then your action step, it's been, a, it's been a minute. Your action step last week was to sign up to lead a regroup. If you've not signed up to lead a regroup, we are not doing sign up to be in a regroup yet. So just hang tight. I've got to get some leaders so I have a place for you to go. And so if you're on the fence, I need you to lead with us. I'll ask you to sign up in a little bit, but there's, your, there's my drop. Your action step this week is this. How can you invest in somebody else? in somebody else and help them to see life beyond their current circumstance. How can you invest in somebody else and help them see life beyond their current circumstance? If you have your Bible still, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. This is the message translation, and I loved it so much. Um, I was just going to reference this, but I think we all need to hear this. And here's what it says. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, we had He had His eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out and in everything and everyone. It's Christ. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, who and what, what we're living for, because our why is really attached to a who. And to get that who to a where, if you remember, we've talked this. And so then he had his design. Uh, he's had design on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. There's coming a time he's working out his purpose in everything and everyone. The reality is he wants to use us to do that. And so we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing, right? Knowing that God is interested in you, who you are, and what you do. There's purpose in your life. There is real purpose in your life. And so this is what we need to understand. I think I'm wrapping up. This is what we need to understand. Many believers don't make the connection between Sunday and Monday, between church and work is what I'm trying to say. They compartmentalize their lives and they think that I've got a spiritual life and I've got a secular life. And my spiritual life is when I read the Bible, when I pray, when I go to church, when I do nice things. Um, that's my spiritual life. And then that's over here in this compartment. And then I come over here and in this compartment, I've got my secular life, right? And this is my work, job, career, my business decisions, my finances, pension plan, all of that's my secular life. And in between these is family. And some people put family back here. This is my wife and my kids and my house and my family and our vacations. And, and they've got everything boxed away. And God says that is wrong. God says that's wrong. He says, all of life is spiritual. You're a spiritual being created with spiritual purpose for a spiritual place, heaven. And so then all of life is spiritual. It can't be here and here or here, here and here, right? The word secular isn't in the Bible anywhere. Your whole life, your whole life matters to God. He is just as interested and concerned with your work life as is your prayer life. He's just as concerned for your marriage as he is for your 401k. He's just as concerned 
for your kids and for you as a husband or a wife, father, father, um, mom, as he is with the time you spend with him in the morning and the evening reading the Bible. God's concerned with your life because you're a spiritual being. He says, all of life is spiritual. The reality is our relationship with God is always on. It's an everyday commitment. Some people think it's a one-time commitment. Well, I prayed the prayer of salvation or I got baptized or I whatever, and that was it. That marks the day that I went from off to on, out to in. And the reality is, is following, following Jesus is an everyday decision. It's a commitment, right? You can't go uh, to your spouse and say, hey, I'm only going to act married when I'm with you. Okay? And some of us do that with our spiritual lives, and we can't. It's hard to regroup like that. And so then, if that's how you're living your married life, I can't go there. That's another sermon for another day. But you know better, right? You know better. And so Heather knows I love her every second of every day. She's my number one. She's my voice of reason. She's my queen. She's my everything. Uh, Life without her would be miserable. I am super blessed. Hashtag blessed, as everybody would say. I am blessed to have such an amazing wife. And so she is a big part of my life. She She is my earthly life here. And so... Um, the fact is this, all of your life is important to God. You can't separate your Christianity from your work. You can't separate your marriage from your life, right? And so just, you can't separate, um, your Christianity from your work. You can't separate your Christianity from your life. You either are, you aren't, you're a believer then you're all in God's called you. He's equipped you. You're a child. Like all these things that we've been talking about, he's chosen you. If you go back to that, um, Ephesians. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. If that's you, you're a believer. It is in Christ we find out who we are and what we're living for because His purpose is working out in everything and in everyone. And so then, your why, your why has to be connected to a who. This is why we are regrouping at the root of it. At the root of it, it's not. It's it is to decompartmentalize church work spiritual, secular. This is a spiritual battle we're fighting as a church, as a group of people. And to gain a spiritual presence, we must get out of the convenience consuming way of church with the one time a week, you know, one hour a week, and that being too much for us most of the time into a proactive way of life. We're actually letting people see who the church is, who Jesus is in our everyday lives. And so then our why has to be connected to who. That's why we're regrouping. That's why it starts with our family. That's why it starts in our house with our with our closest people. At the root of your why is really God, because God's the one who reveals all these things to you. God's the one who's revealed all these things to me. Our why as a church exists to get a who to a where. Regrouping gets our focus back on relationships and off of sitting solo through a church service. It really does. This is why Our value here for giving is to give from your heart. We give from our heart because that's what it's going to take. That is what it's going to take to reach our community. It's going to take our heart. We must have God's heart for the people who live in our community. If you don't live here, you have to have God's heart for the people who live in your communities. That's something that I've prayed since day one being here. God, help me see these people how you see them. Help me love these people how you love them. These are my people because they're your people. I love it here. I love it here. We're called. It's intentional. And so then that must be our prayer. So we must have God's heart. Here's the thing. That can be tough. Okay. 
because you get called certain things, you get pushed certain things. People run their cart into your car, they sideswipe your truck, they knock your mirror off. They do all kinds of things, okay? And listen, all of it has nothing has nothing to do with um, with anything, okay? It's all distractions meant to knock you off of your focus. And our focus is to love people here, to lead people, to live in a relationship. And so here's why. Our treasure is people. I don't think I've taught this before. Our treasure is people. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. I'm just going to highlight verse 6 or verse 10. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want people's lives on earth as they are in heaven. So we invest in eternity. We invest in eternity. It has way better ROI. Trust me. We invest in eternity. Okay. Why is that? Matthew 6, 21. Later in Matthew chapter 6, you see this. This is it's treasure in heaven. This is Matthew 6. And this is 19 through 21. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy while thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. How do I send it ahead? You don't. You're sending people ahead. Our why is attached to a who. Our why is to get a who to a where. We send people, we don't send our stuff, and we don't send our money, okay? For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. What that says is where you put your money, your heart will follow. Where your heart follows, where your money goes. That's true. That's true. That's just real truth. That is just real truth. So very simply put, you're starting to grasp this. God's treasure is people. That's why he gave us Jesus. Our treasure is people. That's why redefine church. Our why is to get a who to a where. People in heaven have the most worth. Period. People in heaven have the most worth. That's why we give. To get who's to a where. We send treasure ahead. So we invest in eternity. At redefine church, we give Three things. We give our time, we give our talents, what we have, and we give our treasure. It's not always financial, but we give those three things. Time, talent, treasure. The most costly resource is your time because you're never going to get it back, right? So when you give somebody your time, you're making the greatest investment that you'll ever make because you'll not get that back. We give three places. We give in our community, we give in our church, and we give in our city. We're not missions-minded. Our mission is here. Mission is local. We believe we need to love our neighbor before we can ever love somebody across the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, so we give to our community, to our church and our city because we want to see God's kingdom happen here, right? So as we walk these things out through regrouping and knowing that our COVID-19 relief efforts have stopped, we have a new avenue for giving and it's how we're going to fund our week four outreaches Uh, It's called Love Your Neighbor. And what you know is when you give to that fund, everything that goes to Love Your Neighbor, when you click online to give and you scroll down, you click Love Your Neighbor. If you give to that, what you're giving to is our week four local outreaches. Those week four local outreaches happen or start to happen the fourth week of September. So we have from now until then to get some money in that budget so we can get out and actually, um, you know, 
pay for what we need to get done in the community, regardless of where we partner with. Still waiting for every organization that we've contacted to call us back here locally, but we do have some leads um, in other states right now for, um, for some of our leaders. And so that's really, really good. That said, if what we're doing is making an impact in your life, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. Understanding that we invest in eternity. We're here to make an investment into eternity. And by making that investment in eternity, um, what gets better is our house gets better, our marriage gets better, our family gets better, our community gets better, and heaven gets better because we take the time to invest. Invest. I believe that God has you right here for a reason. I believe that God has you right here for a reason. And I know that God is pushing some of you to lead a regroup right now. And I would just tell you to do it. One, I've got your back. I've got your back. And so you're not going to go and do anything without, uh, without me, you know, locking arms with you. And so you have a part to play in bringing heaven to earth for someone. And I don't want you to miss that because the influence and relationship that you have is what they need to take their next step. And so you've got to be willing to do it. When you give of your time and your talent, your treasure, what God does with that is unmatched by anything on the earth. It's Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. We value people. We value people. We invest in eternity. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.